This is a show where we discuss minority issues and talk about what we are reading and watching, and ultimately why you should be reading and watching it too. Welcome back to the podcast, Content Under Review. This week, what I have for you is a little review about a book called The Art of Being Normal. This book is written by Lisa Williamson. The book was published in 2016, uh, and she is a British author. This book has finally made its way to the United States. So let me, as tradition states, go ahead and read the inside jacket of this book. What I have here is a hardcover book. David Piper has always been an outsider. His parents think he's gay. The school bully thinks he's a freak. Only his two best friends know the truth. David wants to be a girl. On the first day of his new school, Leo Denton has one goal, to be invisible. Attracting the attention of the most beautiful girl in his grade is definitely not part of his plan. When Leo stands up for David in a fight, an unlikely friendship forms. But things are about to get messy because at Eden Park School, secrets have a funny habit of not staying secret for long. The Art of Being Normal is a story about a boy named David who ultimately needs to transition to be a girl in order to be himself. There are several characters along this journey that help him find, uh, find who he wants to be and will ultimately help him define who he is in the end. This book was published in 2016 and has a very modern feel. I would say it's set in present day. Um, and I think that the the chapters are structured in such a way that you feel like, as a reader, you get to know both of the main characters so well. I would use the word immersive. You really are, um, you're in a, a chapter, for example, you start off with David, and then you go and you get to know and meet Leo in his world and ultimately, uh, I need to stop using the word ultimately, the two chapters kind of take off from where the other leaves off. So if we see David in the hallway, for example, we would then immediately see Leo pass by him and we would pick up with Leo. Or the two might be at an event somewhere together and we would be in David's mind in his chapter and then all of a sudden the event would not end and we would jump into Leo's chapter in that same space getting his reactions. So I think that that is probably one of the most unique features about this book, aside from the content, obviously. I think the form of that delivery, um, getting characters, um, getting readers invested in in that engaged in the characters, wanting to know uh, from scene to scene what exactly each one of them is thinking. Um, So I think that's quite brilliant, honestly. It's my hope here that I will get to interview Lisa Williamson in the coming weeks or or possibly months. She's busy, uh, as am I, but my hope is to interview her. I have a few questions that I've got, and it will obviously build off of what we're talking about today. I want to go ahead and talk a little bit about the backstories for each of the characters. For example, their home lives and their family structures, because I think that when you're talking about Um, specifically topics around sexuality and identity for teenagers. So much of how young people form who they are and their understanding of the world is based on the people that they live with because those are the role models that they have. They're, They're there every day helping to shape their behaviors. So let's first look at David, who... Um, let me see here. We begin the book with David. 
And uh, he starts off by saying, when I was eight years old, my class was told to write about what we wanted to be when we grew up. And ultimately, in the first page here, again, I need to stop saying the word ultimately, I apologize. In the first page here, he ends with, I want to be a girl. So it is no mystery uh, that that is what David wants. That's his dream. Now, what is a mystery is the fact that David is hiding it from his family. So who are his family members and why do we think he's hiding it? So he has a mother, a father, and a sister, and they seem to be fairly affluent. They're not overly rich, um, and they live in, a, would say, middle-class neighborhood or upper-middle-class based on the fact that he goes to what kind of feels like a private school. Um, it might not necessarily have to be a private school, but it has it gives off that vibe based on the uniforms and and kind of the level of what they're doing in school. And so the question really is, is why is David hiding this piece of himself? He talks about keeping a scrapbook, which is so accurate. It's it's so honest for young people because that's all they have is journaling um, and their own private things. And it's when you have something that you're afraid to tell someone, you try to keep it to yourself in this kind of concealed, confined little notebook. And it feels more special that way. It feels like it's your spot to come and be yourself and, and think and reflect. And I think to me, something that's really interesting, having worked with youth who are very focused on their identities and their sexual orientation, for example, I'm curious about David's choice to withdraw and hide. Now, yeah, putting myself in his shoes, of course, I would probably choose to withdraw and hide. But we live in this kind of cultural shift right now where a lot of people are out and the trans community is growing and, and at times the trans community is attacked, definitely. And I can understand the insecurity related to coming out and not knowing what the reception will be. But at the same time, there is this movement kind of trying to support people being who they are. And so I think this book is really timely because you have this young man who isn't able to be himself. And, you know, Lisa writes him so well where in a way he almost seems like he's fine and surviving as a young man, which is, again, very accurate. So thank you, Lisa, because the young students who I know who have decided to come out, they they do seem very confident and comfortable in their own skin um, as their biological gender. And I think that you forget how hard they're working um, to pretend to be someone that they're not. And um, so for David to keep this journal and to hide this information from his parents and to pass so well um, as being a boy... Um, it makes you think extra hard about the internal struggle that might be happening um, within David. And I also, again, getting back to the point I just mentioned, is why didn't he? Che- why didn't he come out? You know, in the, the age of comfort and um, knowing that there are people who are coming out, why didn't he do it? And I have to admit, thinking about this topic over and over again in preparation to email uh, and to interview Lisa is. There are really two options in a lot of ways. If you come out, you either are accepted by your family uh, and they're supportive, or you are rejected by your family and you lose everything that you have. 
And I don't know that people, I'll say critics of the trans community, understand that. Um, And I think this book helps me even to realize the hard choice that that is. Um, Some people think, oh, just be yourself, be you. Well, you have no idea what that is. (laughs) You know, you don't have no idea how hard that is to be yourself sometimes. So I really admire the fact that David kind of takes us on that journey of trying to figure out what he might lose. And in a way, he has to expand and get to know some other people so that he does have a community so that when his he finally does decide to come out, if he does decide to come out, that he won't lose absolutely everything. And um, and you need some support outside of your, your family, your biological family unit, or even your adoptive family unit. As people, we really do need kind of a community. So I appreciate that. <clears throat> In terms of, and I, I don't want to spoil the end for anyone, so I'm not going to. Um, But in terms of jumping here to Leo's character, Leo is in a completely different boat from David. And I I think it's neat the way that the book includes so many opposites. Because we have Leo, who lives kind of on the wrong side of the tracks, I guess you could say. He lives very far away. He has, he's introduced as this troubled character who gets in a lot of fights and who's very aggressive. And he plays into that, you know, for reasons you find out later. And it's, it's so night and day to see his world where he's living with a mother who maybe isn't the most loving and nurturing, a little sister who he, you know, bemoans to take care of. And he has a twin sister who we don't actually get to know very well, um, but you get the impression that they are kind of silently close. They don't talk all the time, but you get the impression that they have some kind of a connection that we're not led into. You know, we're not privy to that information, and it's fine. So uh, Leo's mother has a a boyfriend. I believe his name is Spike. And uh, we, through getting to know very little about Spike, we understand that one of Leo's biggest frustrations in life is the fact that he doesn't know who his father is. And I think that it gives Leo this angsty teen vibe, basically as someone who's searching for answers. And we see David... As readers, we see David searching for answers for his own identity, but we also see Leo searching for answers on his identity, but it's based on getting to know another person and the possibility of not having all this information and backstory to help inform him as he decides who he ultimately wants to be. So you have two drastically different characters and they meet at school and it's that really beautiful story of how do two opposites come together and find commonality and find ways to support each other. I also think in terms of diversity for this book, again, I don't want to spoil anything, but Lisa Williamson does a wonderful job of including opposites at every turn, including diverse characters who engage with other diverse characters and she does not play into the stereotypes quite the way that every other YA book that I've read on this topic does. 
So by that, I'm meaning she incorporates African-American characters, um, low income, as well as upper middle class and also very wealthy characters. She includes, um, you know, gay and lesbian characters, essentially, and then also really wholeheartedly and well-rounded represents the trans community as well as the different phases that a lot of young people find themselves in. And again, getting back to that idea of there are really only two options, you know, possibly more, but really only two options when you consider coming out as being trans. And that again is support from your family or rejection from your family and you lose everything. And those two options are made startlingly clear in this book. Um, and, and I wish that all of my trans students would actually read this book. I kind of wish that there were an English class that did incorporate this into its curriculum, um, not necessarily for literature's sake, but mostly um, social justice. <laughs> this might be a, a text that could be read in a health class, honestly. And I say health class because we see these two characters, David and Leo, as they react in real time to situations and they have both such different reactions that it very well mimics reality of teenagers not necessarily knowing how to read body language or not having any idea how to respond or protect themselves or defend themselves in social situations david has this kind of gentle giant approach because he is this growing young boy and he actually in fact measures his growth every kind of every week so we actually see him growing and then we see his it's it's so stark in contrast sometimes to his reactions and then we have leo who is this quiet brooding and aggressive frustrated character who um, we as readers see him in situations and then we see his reactions um and they're they're both just so stark in contrast to one another so lisa does a wonderful job of creating their characters and giving them unique voices so i want to read one section this is actually a david chapter and he's reading about leo now this or he's writing he's talking and explaining um uh, as he's observing leo and this is a section of the book that's kind of in the last quarter of the book so i'm going to uh, read this um, quickly for you this is again from david's perspective leo i whisper but leo doesn't look at me he stands there, perfectly still, apart from his fists, which clench and unclench, slowly at first, and then faster and faster. There is a moment of absolute quiet before he lets out this terrible howl and takes off around the garden, tearing it up like a wild animal. He turns the garbage can upside down, scattering trash all over the neat paving stones. He takes the terracotta plant pots that sit near the neat under the in a row under the windowsill and smashes them in turn against the wall before stomping on the rose bushes so they bend and snap. He kicks the front door repeatedly, and for a moment I'm worried he might kick it right in. Then he's stumping it, his fists hammering against the glass. The entire time he continues to howl, and I'm pleading with him to stop, screaming and begging him. A neighbor from across the road opens her window and yells at us, saying she's going to call the police. Leo raises his head and swears at her. She gasps and shuts her window. Leo, please, I cry. He takes one final kick at the front door before pushing me out of the way and charging down the path, flinging open the gate so hard I think it's going to come off its hinges. He begins to stride down the road toward the sea. Leo, wait, I yell. Wait. 
but he keeps walking faster and faster, taking advantage of my handicapped speed due to my stupid Ugg boots as I half run and half shuffle after him. I finally reach his side in front of a boarded up gift shop on the seafront, my chest heaving with exhaustion. Leo, I cry breathlessly. Talk to me, please. He doesn't answer me. He doesn't even look at me. So through this kind of chapter of David's, we see one side of Leo. And then when we jump to Leo's chapters, he has this internal sensitivity that we just don't see because through David's eyes, he's this outwardly aggressive person. And you almost don't know why David's friends with him um, because of how kind of how rude and gruff he is. And then when you read the Leo chapters, it's just so different because he's he is very thoughtful and is very sensitive internally. And it's as if David gets to read those chapters, you know, it, it kind of feels that way. Um, just to give you contrast, I will read quickly a, a Leo chapter. It's very sh- uh, a little excerpt from a Leo chapter. Um, and so here is one little section. It's kind of right before um, the section I just read. So this is from Leo. I'm dying. I've got to be. There's no other explanation. My head is throbbing. My throat feels like it's lined with razor blades. I groan and roll over. It takes me a few seconds to realize where I am, that I'm not in my bunk bed at number seven, Sycamore Gardens, but on a lumpy mattress in a bed and breakfast in Tripton-on-Sea. I open my eyes. The flimsy curtains hanging at the windows do nothing to stop the room from flooding with light. I wince and bury my head in the pillow before daring to open my eyes again, more slowly this time. On the radiator, things. On the radiator are things. My jeans and socks and David's tights and dress are draped haphazardly. I turn over. David is curled up with his back to me, snoring softly. Last night, just after he informed me he'd had the best night of his life, he threw up in the toilet. He then staggered around the room getting undressed crashing into the closet before finally collapsing into bed. So Leo has this slow, thoughtful, methodic way of explaining things that are happening with exceptional detail. Um, And again, that's in beautifully stark contrast to how we perceive him through David's eyes, um, how he is uh, gruff and aggressive and frustrated throughout his time at school and, um, and the way he behaves towards other people. So I, again, I think this would be really positive uh, in terms of health class to get that dichotomy, the reality of what's happening in the real world and then what's happening in a teenage brain and how they're interpreting it. And there is a lot of science behind how teenagers reference or uh, register rather um, facial expressions. And I would say that this book uh, very accurately depicts that. So. I would also say that something this book does really well is breaking down life choices. Uh, And we see the impact on these two uh, gentlemen, uh, you know, these two characters. We see the impact of the choices that their families made and the impact on their emotional and social and mental development. For example, most of Leo's chapters are spent obsessed uh, about his hatred for his mother and longing and missing of his father and again I don't want to spoil it for anyone but we kind of go on the journey with Leo to figure out if that's right if he should be so mad at his mother or if he should be so um admiring um 
and whether, you know, of his father and whether he should honor his father in the way that he does. And um, that is really powerful for me um, personally. So it's, I kind of actually wish that there were a little bit more about Leo and his mother in the end um, and also his father in the end. I think the the book wraps up very quickly. I kind of wish I was in Lisa Williams's mind as she was feverishly writing the end of this book, trying to bring it to um, some type of precipice and, and conclusion for readers who are so invested in these two characters. And that's actually why I've reached out to Lisa to interview her because... I'm kind of baffled and, and excited about the end and want to know her rationale for all the choices that she made and how she tied everything up. So that's really the goal of interviewing her is, is to pick her brain a little bit about character development and why she chose to have such diverse characters and representing so much of the trans community as well as the LGBTQ community, but then also why she chose to end the story the way that she did. And in order for you to know how it ends, you really do need to read the book. Um, so this is The Art of Being Normal. It is by Lisa Williamson, published at least in the United States in 2016. And I actually got this book from my local library. It stood off the shelf to me uh, because on the cover, on the on the binding, it says the art of being in very small kind of artistic creative letters, almost like um, blocks of paint. Uh, and then on the binding, it says normal. And uh, again, this is something I'm going to ask uh, Lisa Williamson herself, but the concept of being normal is so abstract these days. You know, what is normal? And as a teacher, I spend time with young people every day who all they say to me essentially is, is they want to be normal. They want to fly under the radar. They don't want to be seen. So as soon as I saw The Art of Being Normal, I thought, man, that has got to um, be an interesting book because I want to know who defines uh, or what makes normal because I even myself as a um, growing to be middle-aged woman, unfortunately here, am always looking to figure out what normal really is and what it means. And, uh, and I think that I need to do a little bit more reflecting. Having finished reading this book, I do need to do a little bit more reflecting to understand what Lisa means by normal. And, uh, and I think that you guys should all read the book because I think what we decide in, you know, is what is normal inside for us. Normal is this constantly shifting and moving target. Every decade, every generation, everything changes. And, Sometimes we have to maybe remove the idea and label of normal and try to figure out who we are rather than um, what normal is and and just to be ourselves. So, But I would be very interested to get some feedback from other people on what they think the word normal means um, in relation to being a teenager uh, or to even just being an adult. So I really appreciate your time today. Um, and that is The Art of Being Normal. Thank you so much for listening today. And I also want to thank Ben Sounds for his amazing intro and outro song. And if you have questions about any of the content we reviewed, or if you have any recommendations on what we should be watching or reading, please reach out to us at our production company, greatnorthernfilm.com.